Um, but uh, this morning we're going to continue. I got to get on with it. Somebody, you know, everybody asks, not everybody, but I have people asking me every week, so what's the next psalm? I'm like, why are they asking me that? Are they actually going to go read it or, or, or what? I, I don't even know. But So somebody said, you know, what's the next psalm? And I said, 145. And they said, oh, awesome. Will it be short? I'm like, so evidently I'm going long. I apologize for that. Two more weeks in this series, counting today, all right? Two more weeks, um, and we're going to focus on, in these two weeks, what I believe, somebody is not happy at all. Bless him, Lord. Look, she got up with him, and he just, like the switch, there's a switch. Um, yeah, just stand back there, it'll be okay. It, I've embarrassed the fire out of her. She will never come back to church. Um, <laughs> I believe the theme of, of the entire psalm can be summed up in one word, praise. Praise. And while we've seen, you know, this wide variety of very raw and real uh, emotions uh, and pleased to God throughout the Psalms that we've looked at, the overarching theme always comes back to praising an Almighty God. Praising our Almighty. Okay, Frank is not here, and Dory is not here. I'm going to need your help. They, they sit up here. I don't know if y'all can hear them. They sit up here and encourage me. Frank talks back to me. Uh, you know, sometimes he gives me the wrong answer. It's okay. All right? Y'all help me because Frank and Dory are not here this morning. All right? But this psalm that we're looking at today, Psalm 145, um, is actually, as far as we know, the last psalm that has David's name associated with it. So it's like his final uh, writing that we have recorded here in the book of Psalms. And I don't know about in your Bible, but in my Bible, Psalm 145 is just simply titled this, A Psalm of Praise. A Psalm of Praise. And I'll give you just a little history about this psalm that I think is really interesting, is that people back in that time believed that there was a special blessing that was associated with this psalm. And the ancient Israelites, they thought and they believed that if you would recite or sing this psalm two times every morning and one time in the evening, then you would receive a blessing of happiness in your life. And, and I don't know, but maybe we ought to test that theory. Maybe we ought to test, uh, you know, what they think. Because don't you imagine that if we were to focus more on joy... Focus more on how great our God is verbally at least three times a day. Don't you think we'd probably have a little more joy in our heart, a little more pep in our step, a little more praise, a few more, you know, a little more song on our lips or whatever? And, and so let's go through this psalm today. I appreciate Tim Carter reading it for us. I believe it's the the longest reading we've had so far, and man, I don't know y'all, but he had his, the font on his, it was like that big, it was amazing, I didn't know they made font that big, but I've, of course, I've never been as old as Tim, so, um, but let's go through this psalm today, uh, real quickly, I'm, I am, I'm going to hit it all, but I'm going to, what'd you do with him? 
Huh? Did you take him out in the parking lot and leave him? Or? Oh, the nursery. We have a nursery. Who knew we had a nursery? He doesn't? I don't either. That's exactly what I do. Oh, we're at church. <laughs> Deborah and I just having a conversation about our awesome nursery that we have. All right, let's begin. Let's pick it up at verse 1. I will exalt you, my God, the what? I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. You kind of see the beginning of why they thought this. there was a special blessing associated with it because David is writing here. I will exalt you every day. I will praise you forever and ever. And so the first thing that we see here is David is acknowledging God is worthy of our praise because of God's position. And who is it that he claims him to be? The king, right? The king above all kings. And to exalt means to lift somebody up, to put someone on high above all others. It's the greatest possible form of admiration that there is. And then David says he will praise him for how long? Forever, right? Which means what? It won't ever end, right? It's forever. It, it won't stop. Don't miss this, friends. The, what David is telling us here, two things to kind of summarize. The blessing of happiness will come to us when we never stop praising our God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, right? Our praise of God should be as eternal as our God. Our praise of God should last as long as our God, amen? And I want you to think about this. Praise is the only activity that we're called to do now that we will continue to do in eternity. We pray now. But there will be a time when prayers are no longer needed, right? We, we believe now. We have faith now. But there will be a time when our faith is no longer required because what we have believed and what we have faith in now, we're going to be standing before. So there won't be a need for faith then. We hope now. But there will be a day when what we have hoped for has become a reality in our lives. But our praise, it's required now. And it will continue all throughout eternity and in heaven. We should praise Him every day, regardless of how our day goes. When it's a great day, we ought to praise Him, right? Even when it's a bad day, we ought to praise Him. We're on this side of the dirt, right? I mean, a, a bad day on this side of the dirt is better than one under it. Amen? We ought to praise Him. If there's one thing that we should have learned during this series that we've been in all summer through the book of Psalms is that no matter what this world may throw at you, no matter what you may endure, no matter what shadow of the valley that you may have to go through, what we've learned here is that every day is a new opportunity for us to trust God and to praise God, the King, regardless of our situation. C.S. Lewis said, we praise 
what we enjoy. You hear that? What do we praise? We praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. I want to think about the, you to think about the things that you praise and the things that you celebrate. Why do you praise things? Why do you celebrate things? Why do you get excited about things? Because it brings completeness to what we enjoy. Right? When we celebrate. And so because of God's position, David is saying, I will exalt Him. I will praise Him every day forever and ever and ever. Now look at verse 3. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can even fathom. One generation commends your works. Don't miss this, folks. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your deeds. He's worthy of praise. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your acts, mighty acts. They speak of glorious splendor. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your deeds. Do we see a common thread through that? We're, we're telling. We're proclaiming. We're sharing. Right? That, that's verbal. That's mostly verbal, but it can also be shown in our actions. But the second thing that David holds on to here, not only is God worthy of our praise because of his position, but also because of his power and the things that he has witnessed God has done in his life and the things that he knows that God has done. He is proclaiming his praise because of God's power. Friends, He's saying God is great, but we can't even fathom how great He is. But our praise of Him and our worship of Him should be like the object of our worship. Our praise should be great because He is great. Amen? No song is too loud. No band or orchestra is too large. No psalm is sufficient for the greatness of our great God. Now we all know that God is great. We learned that a lot of us as little bitty kids. One of the first prayers that most of us learn. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him. For our food. So we know that God is great. And while we know that, David is saying, you know what? We think we know that God is great, but no one can really fathom just how great He is, how awesome He is. No one can actually comprehend His great power. But, but what we do know, what we can understand, don't miss this. We are supposed to pass that on to the next generation. 
I, I know I told you Lynette's teaching a Bible study class with teens. She, she taught it with adults uh, a few times, and uh, Thomas and Noel Bradley came and asked if she would go through it with the teens. And I'm going to tell you, I, I remember now why I was, why I love being a youth pastor. Because of this reason right here. We're passing this on to the next generation. And to see them, the room, the room was filled this morning. I took the last seat when I went in there. And they're studying God's Word. They're, they're reading His Word. They're talking about it. They're discussing it and what it means to them. What it's going to mean to them when they go to school this week. Right? And it is so encouraging to me. And that's what David says. We've got to pass this on to the next generation. Because how will our kids and our grandkids know how great our God is? And no, we can't fathom His greatness. But have we ever tried to just tell our kids or our grandkids how great God has been to us? And how great He is to us? Not just the Bible stories, right? Anybody can read those accounts of uh, the Bible stories that we teach them back there in Sunday school. You know, we do the best that we can with this small amount of time that we have with your kids. right? But I'm, I'm not talking about the, the amazing Bible stories because anybody can be amazed by the Bible stories. But are you passing on to the next generation? Are you passing on to your kids about the amazing things that God has done for you and the good and the great things that God has done in your life personally? Have you shared those stories with your kids and your grandkids? Do they know just what God means to you? Can I ask you a question today? What is your God story? If you've accepted Christ and surrendered your life to Him, and you're living your life for Him, you have a story about God in your life. And it's probably a pretty powerful story. It's probably a great story. Do your kids know the story? As parents and grandparents, our kids should see us, and they should hear us praise God for what He's done in our lives. They ought to see that. They ought to know the look on our face as we worship, as we talk about God, of what we've experienced in our lives, in our story, not just the ones from the Bible, but what, what, what has God done in our life? What has God done in our family? Each and every generation should echo the praises from the past and then pass them on to the future. And it's our responsibility it's our responsibility to teach the newer ones to trust and obey and to rejoice and praise our great God. David doesn't tell us, just pass your Bible on to the next generation. That's not what he instructs us to do. He says, tell them, proclaim to them of God's mighty acts and His works. And can I just say this? Dry, <laughs> unemotional teaching about God. Whether that's at church or in the home. I believe does more damage than good when it comes to our kids. Friends, God's not dead. God's not dull. 
God's not dry. He's something that we ought to be excited about. He's something that we should be excited about. And if you're not excited about it, guess what? More than likely, your kids won't be either. Oh, me. If we're not excited about God, we're teaching them one thing about God, and we're living out something that is totally different from what we're saying. So we shouldn't even say that God is great if we're not living our life and worshiping Him and praising Him like He is great. I'm, I'm passionate about people being changed by my Savior. And, and I don't want to fill people's heads with facts or just knowledge. Uh, we were talking about it the other day. Uh, I don't know if it was in the podcast. By the way, uh, we have a podcast that we're putting out. It's a staff chat uh, about this book we're reading, uh, Blue Parakeet. And uh, I think the first episode went out this past week, and uh, we've recorded the second one, but I don't, I don't think we've got it out there yet. But we were talking about this, and, and one of the girls, I, I don't know if it was Katie or Amanda, talked, she was saying, you know, some of this is just so far over my head. I'm just intimidated by some of this because, you know, I'm not really that, in, in, that deep, you know. And, and she said it like, you know, she was embarrassed. And I'm like, listen, girl, I said, a lot of it's over my head. You know, I I don't have a doctorate in this stuff like Dr. Hunter does, you know. Um, A lot of it's over my my head. But here's the deal. I I don't want to fill people's heads with with facts and, and more knowledge. You know what I want? I want people to experience what I have experienced in my life. I want them to experience God changing and doing a work in my heart and my life. I, I want other people to experience that. I want other people to know what that feels like. I want other people to experience that and walk in the joy and the happiness of knowing, you know what, I am a child of the King, and He has adopted me into His family, and His kingdom is my kingdom, right? I, I want people to experience that. I, I really don't give a rip what you know. I want to know what you feel, what you've experienced uh, in your life. And I, I want you to experience that. What good are the facts? What good's more knowledge if the next generation doesn't have hearts that burn with passion for Jesus and a desire to worship Him with that same passion? What good is it? We must pass it on. And David said, we've got to pass it on or it ends with us, right? And as we retell the stories and share of God's power in our personal lives, it'll not only inspire our children, but it'll refresh our joy and our praise to God as well as we reflect and recall His goodness in our hearts and our lives. i got to go on. Verse 7, they celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing. How do they sing? I love it. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Now, David does the best he can with the limited vocabulary that he has here to describe to us God's personality, right? His words are limited, but they're still very powerful. Just look at the highlights there. Goodness, righteousness, righteousness graciousness, 
compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love, good to all. David's trying to help us see just what kind of good God he is. He's trying to help us to see God's greatness. And not only that, not to see it, but oh, by the way, here is how he deals with people. Here is what he thinks about us and how he treats us. And and friends, I know that I, I don't have to tell you this, but there are a lot of people walking around in this world today that have some deep wounds in their hearts. And they have some deep scars, and some of those may be physical, but some of those are emotional. But friends, our beauty, whether it be inside or out, is not determined by what we've been through, but it is determined by who went with us through it. Amen? And do our good shepherd that we learned about early in this series, to our good shepherd as he looks at his sheep, We're all beautiful. I've seen people that had the ugliest dogs in the world. And because they owned that dog, they thought it was beautiful. And I'm like, the dog's ugly. God looks at But now we have the cutest dog in the world, do we not? Yeah, I agree. I should have had her picture up here this morning. She's demon-possessed, but she's beautiful. God looks at us as our... Shepherd, our good shepherd, he looks at his sheep and he goes, beautiful, 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 beautiful. How beautiful. Why? Because he created us. He created us. And we are made in His image. And friends, when you walk out of here today, remember this. You are beautiful because He is beautiful. And you're made in His image. And if you've surrendered your life to Him, you are a child of the King. Quit hanging your head. Walk tall. Walk proud. He is a great God. He looks at us, and yeah, we may be injured, we may be limping, we may be blind, we may be scarred, and he looks at us and says, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Verse 7 tells us to celebrate and joyfully sing praise. Again, David is is concluding here, it's, it's verbal, it's verbal, it ought to be seen, it ought to be heard. Right? And he tells us to celebrate him joyfully, singing praises because of who he is, because of his goodness, because of his righteousness, because of his grace, because of his compassion, because thankfully he is slow to anger, but he is rich, oh so rich in love. Good to all. Boy, we're to celebrate that. We're to praise that. Verse 10, all your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell, there it is again, they tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom 
and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all that He promises and faithful in all He does. He's worthy of His praise. David basically is saying because He is over everything. God is over everything because He made it all. You know what we sometimes let? We talked about this a little bit last week. Sometimes we let God's creation stand between us and the Creator, right? But God created all things, and we sometimes let other things or other people rival Him. Or, but, but you know what? He has no rivals. We need to understand that. He has no rivals. He is the King. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And as we praise Him for the work that He has done around us, as we do that, that begins to do a work within us. You begin to praise Him and just pay attention to how it changes you and how you feel, right? And as we do that, as He does that in us, we'll want to tell others about Him. We'll, we'll want to talk about how great our God is. And David says, so that all people may know. So that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. What David is saying here is that there is a direct link. Don't miss this. You know this. But there's a direct link between your heart and your mouth. <laughs> there's a direct link there. And some of you ain't got no filter. I, I know because I, I lost mine. But God's working on it. We will talk about what is in our heart. We'll talk about what's in our heart. And if you want to know what somebody holds dear to their heart, just listen. Just listen to what they talk about. Because they're going to talk about what they love. They're going to talk about what they're passionate about. They'll tell you. You, you, you don't even have to ask somebody what they love or what they're passionate about. You'll just know. You'll just listen. So can I be blunt this morning? Can I? I always am. If you're a guest, I'm sorry. I'm, the, I'm that blunt preacher. Um, I just ask you today, what are you talking about? If people just get quiet around you, what are they here? That's kind of convicting, isn't it? If our hearts are full of God, there's a direct correlation between our hearts and our mouth. Someone once defined the term evangelism. Put it there on your screen because I thought it was awesome. Evangelism is what spills over when you bump into someone. You know, we think it's some plan. You know, I need a plan. I need... You know, ABCs. I'm not saying all that stuff's bad, but you know what I am saying? When somebody bumps into you, what are you talking about? What do they see? What do they hear? That's the greatest form of evangelism that we have right there. We truly want verse 12 to be fulfilled and have all people know of his mighty acts. Then we're going to have to tell them. That's on us to pass it on. We're going to have to tell them. We're going to have to proclaim it. When we bump into others... Our words are going to flow. What are your words saying? Verse 13. 
Verse 14, the Lord upholds all who fall. Anybody ever been there? Besides me? The Lord upholds all who fall. And he lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand. Can you, will you just picture that with me? God opening his hand and satisfying the desires of every living thing. Not only is God extremely powerful and awesome and great, but I believe what David wants us to understand and see here is that God is tender to those who are hurting and those who have fallen. And you know what? There are a lot of folks today that have fallen under the weight of life. They've fallen under the weight of problems and difficult situations. And if you're here today and the load for you is heavy, maybe you feel like it's about to get you down, David is saying this, turn your eyes to him. He's tenderhearted. He's, he's not... You know, I think we picture God wrong. I think so many people picture God wrong. And we picture him as somebody up there waiting to thump us on the head when we mess up. You know, like that whack-a-mole game, you know. <laughs> He's just a wham! Yeah, you did it again, you know, you little idiot. And I think, can I say, I've said worse. Um, that's not who God is. Rich in love, full of mercy, grace. And David, you know, his final writing, as far as we know here in the Psalms. And David's like, you, you know my life. You know my history. I've lost loved ones. I've done the unthinkable. But you know what? God has proven to be tender to me and to be good to me and gentle. And so he's trying to tell other people and proclaim he'll be good to you too if you'll trust him. If you'll trust him, turn your eyes to him. He'll be exactly what you need. And this open hand thing just tells me that God doesn't withhold anything from us. He opens his hand so that we can have everything that he has to offer. And friends, I know this to be true. God has his hands full of good things for you and for me. When we're wiped out, when we're stressed out, when we're maxed out, he just wants us to look to him. He won't kick us when we're down, but instead he treats us tenderly and he gives us exactly what we need when we need it. Because of that, we can trust him with our problems. Verse 18, oh my goodness. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Truth. Kids, that's what we talked about in class today. Truth. It's a truth. 
to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. I love that. We saw this last week too, but even though he's the king of kings and the king of the universe, he is always present. He is always with us. He's not too busy for you. He's not too busy for you. David's reminder again to us here is, you're not alone. You're not alone. And he's not with just a select few. He's near to all who call on him in truth. And the truth is recognizing who he is. That's the truth. And accepting him. He's near to all. David's explaining to us here the I believe the power of prayer and the unlimited access that we have to the Father, I believe is what he's getting at. But then we need to wrap up. He closes with this in verse 20. He says, The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. More truth. David's final writings here, and he finds it important to write this in the final words that would be recorded in God's holy word. David says, the Lord watches over those who loves him. But the wicked are going to be destroyed. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Bottom line, God will preserve those that are saved and he's going to judge those who are not. And boy, we don't like to talk about that a lot. Keep it positive, preacher. You're going to run off the visitors. Y'all, we can't, we can't ignore the fact. We can't ignore the truth. And you know what? This truth that God preserves those who are saved and will judge and destroy those who are not, that can either be a comfort to you today or that should be very disturbing to you today. Because he's given us all a choice to make. We can live for him or we can live for ourselves. If you have a relationship with him and he has forgiven your sins, you can have confidence that heaven will be your reward. 1 John 5.13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. But, David just doesn't stop with that thought. Although God is watching over believers, He will destroy those who have insisted on going their own way and doing their own thing for their own gain. And I, I don't know about you, but this is what motivates me to do what I do. It's always been what motivated me as a youth pastor. It's what motivates me now. Is the fact that there are people on two different paths. And I've been called. You have been called to do our dead level best to get those on the path of destruction on the path that we're walking. We've been commissioned. We've been called. He said to all of us, not just the pastor, not just the staff, to all of us, go and make disciples. That's why I've been talking about for months now. Who's your one? Who's your one that you're going after? 
Who's the one? If God has called you to go and make disciples, who's the one you've got targeted? Because you should have someone targeted that you're praying for, that you're working on, that you're bribing, whatever it takes. Get them off the path that leads to destruction. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And I would just say, if you're here today and you haven't given your life to Him and you're not living for for Him, this verse today is just another warning. Like it's not been your first, but it's another warning that we have here today. So don't leave here today without getting right with God. You can do that right now where you sit. You can tune me out right now and get right with God. And then this last verse, David's like, I'm wrapping this up. These are the last words I'm going to write. The last thing that I have recorded in, Bi- in the Bible. And he says, just let me say it one more time. Praise Him. Praise Him. Let every creature praise His holy name forever and ever. David's like, I have tested Him and He is true. I have tested Him and He is great. Can I just tell you one last time before I go? Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him with everything you have, whether you feel like it or not. I read about, I shared this uh, a few years ago on a Wednesday night. I I read about a conference that they were having, a Christian conference. Uh, It was in Omaha, Nebraska. And they were having this service. And and as everybody walked into this service at this Christian conference, Uh, Everyone that came into the room was given a helium balloon. And they were told, when they all walked in and sat down, they all wondered why they all had these balloons. And the speaker got up and he said, you know, basically at any time during this service, at any time you feel maybe just, you know, the joy of the Lord in your heart or God moves or, you know, something, you know, really touches you, uh, just release your balloon when that happens, right? And they said it was so cool to be in that room and at different times, different things, whether it was a song or maybe a word that was spoken or or whatever it may be, uh, at different times all throughout this service, balloons would be released throughout that service. And they said it was so cool. And they said, but it also was so sad because at the end of the service, about a third of the people were still holding their balloon. (laughs) David says, let it rise. Let the joy of the Lord and His praises, let it be heard. Let it be known. David's saying, don't hold it back. Why would we hold it back? Let every creature every creature praise His holy name forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, what an awesome reminder. Again, of who you are. But then, who we are. I I think we've had a pretty clear picture here that David's given us of who we are and, and... the expectations that you have for us, God. Um, I'm trusting you with what you're doing with this word today. I I know that, I I don't know the hearts of people. I I don't know if people 
you know, the ones that are here today. You know, I, I think I know which ones are on the right path, but I, some of us can put on a good show. I, and I don't know if there's anybody here on the wrong path today. I, I'm sure there is. I'm going to trust you with that today. I've, I've, I've done all can, I, I can do at this point. But God, here I also know there are a lot of people in this church right now that are hurting and going through some really tough times. And so my prayer today is that they would be reminded how gentle and tender you are and how much you love them. And that a good shepherd will tend to, and even if necessary, carry his sheep if it's needed. And God, we got a lot of people in our church, many that are battling cancer, many with physical situations going on that just seem like they just keep going on and keep going on. And God, every day it's a new phone call of somebody else that's been diagnosed with cancer, somebody else that's been in an accident. So many. I, I just think of poor Landon today. God, just, just be with him. A young man's been through a lot. He's got a lot to go through. I think of Randy today. I think of Carolyn and Ronnie. I, I'm going to miss them. Gary's been in the hospital this week. and So many. So many. Today, I pray that you'd be a tender God to them. That you would be known as a tender God. Not that you wouldn't just put on some act, but you would just be present in their lives and in their situation and they would trust you and place their hope in you. And then, God, kind of like what David says, after, after we've gone through that stuff, some of it's consequences of our own sin, some of it's consequences of our own decisions, and we know that. Some of it's just life. Some of it's because we live in a world that has been scarred by sin, and it is what it is. But you're a good God, and you can be trusted. And you are great and you are worthy of our praise because you brought us through. You're bringing us through. And God, when we get, when we step into eternity and we inherit the reward of heaven, there's not a one of us that's not going to run those streets of gold praising you for your goodness. So help us like David told us today and guided us today and encouraged us today in his final writing. May we go out from this place, be a vessel of praise. May we glorify you and honor you. And it's in your powerful name that we pray and ask these things. Amen. I love you guys so much. Hope you have a great week to our teachers, administrators, students. You are being saturated in prayer right now. God bless.